We came, come through a holiday season. We've heard a, a lot of people talk about, you know, drinking and enjoying the holiday season. It culminates with New Year's Eve. That can be a real real drink fest. So uh, there has been, in the last number of years, this sort of push toward dry You come off that period of time, and then you, you abstain for a month. For some people, it's just to prove they can do it. It's just a little bit of a health benefit. Just just stop for, for the month of, of January. Well, of course, well, some people on February 1st, woo it's you know, we're right back at it again. So th- maybe that, that can be of assistance to, to some people, but there are others for whom alcohol can be a chronic problem and a serious, chronic, continuing, ongoing problem. Stopping for one month doesn't cut it. They have to stop completely. One of those people is our producer for 630 Ched Mornings, Brad Whisker. He's joining us here this morning uh, to share his story and just talk about something more than dry January, I suppose. It's it's about trying to come back to to a dry life. Brad, why was this important for you to want to share uh, this, this morning? Uh, for me, a lot of it is to get the message out there that it, it is tough uh, to, to come off an alcohol addiction. Um, and sometimes you may not even realize that you're heading down that road to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I never expected to, to go down that road ever in my life. I, of course, growing up and once being of legal age, I, I enjoyed going out with my friends and I enjoyed having a good time. Uh, and then eventually that got the better of me. And I went down a really, really rough path for a number of years. Uh, let's get into how you ended up going down that path. But uh, to be blunt, and, and the obvious thing is you're an alcoholic. Yes, and dealing, facing that, obviously, and coming to that realization has to be a huge first step. But why don't we go back a little bit? Uh, many of us, uh, we experiment with alcohol when you're, you're sort of before the age of 18. You get to the or 19, depending on where you are across the country. Uh, what was it, your relationship uh, with alcohol? Was it just normal like everybody else? Um, for the most part, yes. Growing up, it was very normal. I mean, it, it just, like I said, consisted of going out with friends on, on weekends, uh, going out, you know, sometimes during the week and just having a few casual drinks uh, with dinner. And around 2015, I started dealing with anxiety. So mm-hmm. to cope with the anxiety, I went to alcohol and it started off slowly. It was just a yeah, couple what does of that beers. Mean? What does that mean? You you went to alcohol. Just I'm feeling anxious. I'm going to have a drink. Yeah, I I'd, I'd feel anxious, and I I would go to alcohol to calm myself down, and it was only I shouldn't say only. It was a few drinks a night, and then I would I would go to bed, and I, I didn't wake up hungover, or it didn't really impact my my day to day. But without even really noticing, over the years, it it started to progress from a couple drinks a night to more drinks and more drinks and more drinks all the way to the point uh, to last year in the summer when it overwhelmed my life and I and I had to make a change. Well, when you look back over those, say, six and a half to seven years, when do you think, and I don't know if this is even possible to come up with an answer for it, but when do you think you became an alcoholic? I would say about 2018. Um, and I know I did because I... I admitted it to uh, my girlfriend at the time. I admitted it to my parents, and it actually took a trip to Vancouver to see my uh, girlfriend at that time. And I wasn't myself, and she noticed big differences and changes in my attitude and my demeanor. And when I returned back to Edmonton, I called her and I I said, you know, I, I have a problem. And I went 
searching online and, and trying to find a, a program to, to help me. And, and I did find something, but it was an outpatient program. And the program also included the fact that you could still drink, but try to lower it week by week and month by month in the hopes of getting to the point where you just didn't really need it in your life anymore. Mm. And that went really well for an extended period of time. And again, uh, alcohol took over and I, that program no longer worked for me. And quite frankly, I, I lost control. You say that uh, she noticed there was a difference in your demeanor. Uh, you've told me that uh, friends, some coworkers have noticed, had noticed a difference in demeanor. Uh, what, what did that mean and what did it do to your life? What it meant to me was that I wasn't myself. And I, to paint that picture, I mean, growing up and all through my teens and through my 20s, I was, I, I was a very easygoing, relaxed guy. I liked making people laugh and I liked having a good time. And that didn't necessarily include alcohol. Um, but then I became very distant. I wouldn't respond to friends' text messages or phone calls. I would ig- ignore my parents' text messages and phone calls. And you know, my parents, my mom lives in Victoria, BC. My dad and my stepmom live in Ottawa. So I'm already away from home. Mm-hmm. And for them to not hear from me, and it wouldn't be necessarily on a daily basis, but when they reached out to just say, hey, how you doing and have a conversation, I would ignore those calls or those texts. And at that point, they also started to sense that what's going on with our son. So uh, why would why would you sort of uh, step back? Was it guilt over where you're at, like recognizing the situation you're in and just wanting to just step back and not share any of that? Absolutely. I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed. Um, it, it, it's, it's a very hard thing to, to admit to those close to you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be alcohol. I mean, anybody dealing with an addiction or maybe a mental illness, um, we've heard about it over the years that it's taking that first step to admit mm-hmm. that there is something wrong. And you like to think that people won't be judgmental of you, even if they are as close to you, like your parents or like your best friends or your significant but other. But you're afraid. But you're, you're scared. You, you think that no matter what you tell them, that they will react negatively because the perception of being addicted to something is negative. And yeah, it, you're weak. You're weak. You can't handle it. You can't control your anxiety or you can't control these things happening in your day-to-day life. So you have turned to something that will hurt you mentally and physically. So, yes, you're you're perceived as weak. And I I don't think I'm a weak person. And I I try not to, to let that take over my my mental uh, outlook on it that's just going to perpetuate the all the bad things that are going on exactly and it and it and it did I mean, you you think about it a lot all the time really uh and it sort of it it, it starts to consume your life um but then when i i did first tell them it was all support that came back that's nice and like i said Things did go well for a certain amount of time. I found myself on a good path. I took a few months off of work to to start to rehabilitate myself. Um, but uh, as many I'm I'm sure have experienced, and not specifically with alcohol, but this pandemic has started or has taken a toll on a lot of people mentally and, and physically. And I was sent home from from work in uh, March of 2020. And I didn't come back to work 
until September of 2021. Was I working in between? Yes. Was I my best self? Not even close. Yeah. And and in the meantime, you sit there by yourself and you sort of ruminate and circulate and just get wrapped up. So what happened to finally get you uh, to begin that road to recovery? Uh, it was August 25th. I remember the day really well as if you know how people remember their their wedding day or uh, a great day in their life. This was a, a horrible day in in my life, but I, I remember everything about it. And I wasn't feeling great in the morning, uh, hungover, uh, depressed, sad, and physically unwell. And late that afternoon, I was coming back from another room in my house into my living room, and I had fainted. And I woke up and I had blood coming from my mouth and I was starting to cough and there was blood coming out and uh, I immediately called 911. I went to the hospital and they started looking at me and doing some tests and one of the doctors came in and said, do you want to start to get sober today? And I said yes. Um, I was there for about 10 days um, and one of the doctors came in at one point and said if I had continued um, at the pace I was going at I probably wouldn't have lived till I was 40 I'm 33 so there you go yeah there you go Uh, stunning that uh, he recognized it and that that hit home the positive side to that is how long have you been in recovery? How long have you been sober? Today's 131 days. Um, <laughs> I count them off every single day. You know, it's uh, it's really important for me to do that. It helps. It helps me understand that if I were to go back, I would have to start at zero. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go back to that ever again. I don't want to feel like that. I don't want to impact other people close to me like that. I don't want people to have to worry about me on a daily basis. And I'm just, (laughs) I'm as happy as I've been in, God, like six, seven years. That's awesome. And we are, uh, we are proud of you. Both for 131 days? Yes. And for this morning. Thanks for sharing this, Brad. Thanks, Daryl. Uh, Craig sends in a message uh, saying huge respect for Brad for talking about this in such a public way. And the reason he wanted to do this is because he is among thousands of others. There are many, many others that if you're in that situation, if any of that rings true for you, find a way to, uh, to start that path, get some help and go beyond just one month and an entire life of recovery. It's a much better path. 721 here on 630 Chad Mornings. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.